Transbay Joint Powers Authority Board Directors were made to order. Start with roll call, please. All right. Uh, prior to taking roll, I'll note. You might need to re. I think Carsey wants you to restate that. She wasn't open yet. Okay, we'll start all over again. Well, good morning, everyone. Happy May. Welcome to the May meeting of the Transbay Joint Powers Authority Board of Directors. I'd like to call our meeting to order. Right. Thank you, Chair roll G. Roll call, please. Thank you, Chair G. Uh, prior to taking roll, I'll note for the record that Directors Ambule and Chang are sitting in as alternates for Directors John Baptiste and L. Tawansi, uh, and uh, Vice Chair Mandelman is uh, expected shortly. Uh, with that, Director Ambule? Here. Ambule present, Director Chang? Here. Chang present, Director Forbes? Here. Forbes present, Director Lipkin? Present. Lipkin present, Director Shaw? Here. Shaw present, Director Tumlin? Here. Tumlin present, and Chair G? Here. Uh, Chair G present as well. Uh, directors, we have quorum. With that, shall I call your next item? All right. Directors, item three is communications, uh, and we'd like to note the process for members of the public to make public comment. Members of the public may comment on the meeting during public comment periods, in person or remotely. In person public comment will be taken first. Remote public comment will be taken after. The public uh, comment call-in line is printed on the agenda, and dialing instructions should be scrolling at the bottom of the screen on SFGov TV. With that, are there any other communications? All right, seeing none, we'll go ahead and call your next item. Uh, Board of Directors new and or old business. I'm not aware of any. All right, moving into item number five and noting, uh, welcoming uh, Vice Chair Mandelman. Item number five is the Executive Director's Report. Good morning, directors. Um, happy May. Uh, if we, as we did not have an April meeting, we've had some good progress since our March meeting um, and some positive news to report to you today. Uh, we'll start by uh, earlier this week, we welcomed six new members to our Citizens Advisory Committee and re-elected Chair Larkin, who's here today. We'll give you a little more feedback on uh, the CAC, so we're excited to have some uh, new energy there uh, in the community. Um, since our March meeting, uh, a couple of items to report. Director Chang, um, Lily Magis Wu, and I joined the Metropolitan Transportation Commission and the San Francisco Chamber of Commerce in Washington, D.C. Uh, as part of their annual delegation to advocate for transit infrastructure pro funding projects uh, like ours. In addition to meeting with USDOT senior staff and the SF congressional delegation, um, we received valuable feedback on how to best position our upcoming grant application, so it was a productive meeting. The following week, I had the opportunity to ride the Shinkansen high-speed rail system in Japan, um, and happy to report it is as fast, smooth, clean, reliable, regular, and efficient as advertised. We covered over 300 miles in just over two hours uh, with a bento box, free Wi-Fi, an onboard washlet, and a nice view of Mount Fuji out the window, so I can't wait to see the same view of uh, the rolling hills of California. Here in San Francisco, we opened three new restaurants in the first quarter, and you'll hear more from our facilities uh, director, Ari Walsh, in his report, uh, and are working to open our first restaurant on the Toma side of the building. The sunshine is finally back. We may actually be into the beginning of spring, um, and as of May 1st, our park hours were extended from 8 to 9 p.m., and we continue to see an increased number of people at the center during the new hybrid work week, particularly during Tuesday through Thursday. Um, and have launched a new set of park program ac activities, including uh, new special events planned for this season. Um, the World Health Organization formally ended the COVID-19 pandemic today, 1,154 days later. So we look forward to uh, an ongoing conversation with you um, as we work to retain our tenancy and work through downtown recovery in a post-COVID world uh, in San Francisco. 
Finally, uh, Fitch recently affirmed our bond rating uh, for the agency at A minus and subordinate bonds at triple B plus, but they did note a future concern with continued weakness in San Francisco's commercial office market uh, due to low levels of return to office and recent layoffs in the technology sector. So uh, a little bit of a, a cloud on the horizon from their perspective. Uh, relative to the downtown rail extension, we continue to advocate for what we're now calling the portal. Um, and you have a pin there at your desk uh, that has just arrived, um, uh, recognizing that new branding. Um, and uh, we've had some very good progress just this week with the Federal Transit Administration and the, our Project Management Oversight Committee completing yesterday a three-day risk management workshop uh, where we walked through the various elements of the project. Uh, from scope and contract packaging to cost and schedule, and identified any risks which would lead to FTA's independent review of the portal's submitted budget contingency and schedule. Uh, so we should have some more information back from them in the, in the coming weeks. Uh, that will uh, produce a project risk report uh, around the end of this month, which will inform our, the rating of our project as we work to see conclusion in the presidential budget next year. We've simultaneously been uh, actively applying to competitive grant programs, and I'm happy to report on the state level uh, that we're a recent award recipient of transit and intercity regional uh, rail capital program funds totaling $60 million. Uh, the agency was uh, the recipient of 60 of the $150 million in project development funding available statewide, uh, which will help us continue to advance the important project tasks uh, in the coming months. Regionally, we continue to track and work with the Metropolitan Transportation Commission's major advancement projects framework, uh, along with future TERSIP uh, endorsements. In April, we presented at the Programming and Allocations Committee so commissioners could get the latest updates of Bay Area mega projects, including ours, as well as BART to Silicon Valley's extension, uh, Valley Link, and others. And they expect to complete the rebalancing process for that major project advancement policy this fall. This week, uh, at the committee level, they approved Regional Measure 3 guidelines and policy uh, for full commission consideration later this month. The TJPA is expected to receive reimbursement for over three years of operational funding and have requested capital funding next, next fiscal year for the portal project. On the local level, we've been working with the city and county uh, and respective departments on an interagency cooperative agreement as we advance into project construction. This is item 11 on today's agenda. Uh, we've already been to Director Forbes' Port Commission and to the first reading at the Public Utilities Commission um, and have the two remaining in the coming weeks uh, prior to uh, your action and the Board of Supervisors this fall. This is all in service of our, our coming work with the agencies for utility relocation and right-of-way um, uh, secure. On the federal level, we've applied for the Federal Rail Administration's new Federal-State Partnership Funding Program for over $90 million for the next two years in late April and expect to hear back on uh, awards in sometime in the fall. Finally, uh, in your packet is the Project Labor Agreement Quarterly Report. As part of the normal quarterly reporting, apprentice hours were gathered to calculate an apprentice utilization rate for each of the tenant improvement contracts, and we're happy to report that we've exceeded the rate of 16 and a three-quarter percent with an 18 percent rate as of today. So I'd be happy to answer any questions you may have before we have Rodney provide the contract security quarterly update and Ari Walsh present uh, afterwards with the facilities operation update as well. And this concludes the items that arrived. Very good. Thank you very much. Directors, any questions? Not seeing any. Why don't we go on to our security report? We'll take any public comments at the end of all the reports. 
can pull it up after you. Uh, we'll pull it up after you announce. Okay. Uh, good morning, Chair G and Directors. Uh, Rodney Harris, Chief Security Officer. I'll be giving you a quarter, uh, quarterly report on contract security. Three performance key uh, uh, indicators that we're tracking is personnel turnover, post staffing, and post in site competency testing. No turnover during uh, this reporting period. Uh, employees' feedback enhance our attention strategies. Uh, some of the things that we're doing is professional development, employee recognition, on spot awards, and monthly performance gift cards. We'll talk a little more about the performance uh, uh, professional development uh, on the last slide. Post-staffing, uh, we establish uh, staffing uh, contingency plans combined with cross-training personnel to ensure coverage. Uh, our cross-training programs allows us to train personnel at all locations within the transit center. Uh, doing so increases their uh, situational awareness and confidence uh, to carry out their assignments. Uh, consistent staffing enhances uh, customer service, which leads uh, to customer satisfaction. Post-site and competency testing, uh, in-house uh, training is still always ongoing. Multiple training methods are being utilized, uh, instructor-led, mentoring, and job shadowing. Uh, these methods, uh, methods are all part of our wraparound professional development services we provide to our security personnel. And this last slide is dear to me. Um, uh, let's briefly talk about our mentoring program. Uh, the demographics for contract security throughout the country, uh, average age is about 18 to 25 and mostly minority. Uh, the vast majority of individuals that work at the transit center was born here in uh, the city of San Francisco. However, uh, they've moved away uh, over time uh, due to affordable housing. Some of them living 30, 40, um, 60 um, miles away from the city. Uh, they work in the city because of the uh, the uh, the the hourly wages are better in, in San Francisco than they are any other portions of the Bay Area. Uh, and so we, we, we work with a lot of marginalized individuals that don't have access, uh, uh, don't have the confidence and things of that nature to feel that they can uh, move to another career field. Um, Chevelle started with us, Deputy Chevelle Taylor, uh, Contra Costa uh, Sheriff Department. I know we talked about this a couple of months ago that we had some people that we've mentored that since went off into uh, some of the police academies here in the Bay Area. Uh, but che Chevelle is the first one uh, that, that I say per se graduated from our mentoring uh, uh, program. Uh, Chevelle applied for Contra Costa. Uh, our wraparound services that we had in that picture, you, you see three uh, personnel from San Francisco Police Department who constantly, you know, uh, made contact with Chevelle on a weekly basis to ensure that, you know, uh, that she had the support that she needed to get through the, uh, the academy. Uh, so Chevelle graduated a couple of months ago. Uh, we're very proud of Chevelle. Uh, the light bulb has gone off uh, in her life that she realized that now she is a part of the community and, and that her voice means something. Um, we do have another individual who's uh, uh, about to graduate from BART uh, Police Academy in, in August, and uh, we are aligning, I mean, aligning uh, some of the security officers with professionals in the Bay Area from various uh, 
um, career fields uh, so that they can mentor them. Uh, and it allows us to retain these individuals for, you know, one year or two year longer than for them to be here for about 30 days and then, and, and then just chasing uh, hourly uh, increases. And so all in all, it's a win for us and we're gonna continue to, to do that. I, I look at it as a good, good turnover and then uh, it reduces the insider threat component uh, from, uh, from our security program. Having said that, this concludes my uh, presentation. Be glad to answer any questions. Congratulations and continue the great work on the mentoring program. It's a great story. So right. more to Thank come. Look forward you. to it. Thank you. Thank you. Any questions? I just wanted to congratulate you for so intentionally developing the, your employees and really taking care and consideration on uh, what people need to um, feel more heard and, and have different skill sets to um, move and advance the career in the way they want to do. And one resource I would recommend to you is the affordable housing programs that are coming in proximate uh, to uh, the transit center. And there is an effort to bring in employees who work near the radius of the housing. So please make sure that your employees have that resource. Absolutely. Thank you, Director Forbes. Thank you, Director Forbes. On to our next. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, uh, Chair G and directors. I'm Ari Walsh, the facility director for the TJPA, and a big shout out to Chevelle. That's, that's really great and just really heartwarming to see. I'm here to give you a facility operations update and going to include some things from March and April. Uh, to start it off on a positive note, uh, some popular programs for the last couple months were Spring Fling, where we had over 1,000 people come out and enjoy the day. And we also had uh, Bollywood Nights, which had over 75 people come out and dance and just have a really fantastic time in the park. Park attendance overall has been trending in a healthy direction month over month. And specifically, we want to take a look at that 1,000 uh, person number from early in April and just show that the people out there are really um, happy to see activations and they're willing to come out and enjoy the day. So just really motivates me at least. Park attendance since we opened back in May 21, again, is solid uh, since we've opened uh, year over year and it's trending in the right direction. Live performances in May, so really proud to share that we have over a dozen live performance live music performances occurring throughout the month of May, in addition to a variety of other programs, one of which is a really beautiful performance called The Melody of Blooming, which celebrates AAPI heritage. And come on out to see that on the 20th, and as always, all of these events are free, and we challenge people to come out and try to not have a fun time in the park, because there's always something great going on. Shifting gears over to transit ridership. I think last time I presented, we were looking to see how uh, MTA would do meeting their ridership target for this fiscal year, and they have hit that. Uh, they actually went up to 422,000, so congratulations uh, for meeting that 400,000 rider mark. At the Transit Center, uh, we're keeping a, an eye on how our ridership compares with the rest of the city, and it uh, is actually trending on target, and I'm sure we all remember the storms and weather we had during the first quarter of this year, uh, which stifled the growth a little bit, but it looks like we're bouncing back uh, pretty well. 
For AC Transit, uh, again, we had that dip uh, during the wet weather, um, but a really nice thing that you can see from this graph is we're already exceeding the 2022 highs, and it's uh, we hit that in February, so there's only up to go from here. Facility maintenance, uh, we're getting a lot of good things done around the center, and I wanna call attention to two specific projects. We got some uh, glass repaired in our main plaza, and we also did a very lengthy five-year electrical maintenance project, which was 24 hours over two weekends, so a total of 48 to 50 hours total. And I just wanna say how appreciative I am to all of our engineers and electricians and to our amazing security team for keeping the public and center safe. We had no incidents and we finished everything on schedule and on budget. For retail leasing, uh, as we've mentioned before, we've got uh, some restaurants joining the Natoma side of the center. Uh, the Minna side is already uh, off and running. Um, we've got Via Vi by Aqualina coming soon and we'll show some features that they've got as well as Bear Bottle in the Grand Hall and Dim Bows and Juice Bar. Also a big shout out to our three newest tenants, uh, Per Diem, Tycoon Kitchen, Charlie's Philly Steaks, who join a, a really great group to give, us, give folks a good variety to choose from. As I just mentioned, the uh, Via Vi project is coming along very well. They've actually got a lot of their uh, finishings and their equipment that um, has just arrived, been anxiously awaiting. Those towels are hand-painted and quite beautiful. And if you're a cooking nerd like me, you'll really appreciate those uh, high-end uh, stoves. Location overview, as I mentioned earlier, we've got a lot of stuff going on on the Minna side of the center, and we're looking to add folks to the Natoma side to join the fun. Um, that concludes really the facility operations portion of the of the presentation, I'm gonna pause for a moment. We're gonna shift gears and discuss uh, non-public rental and fee schedules. Uh, basically, it's an update to our current policy that you'll be considering next month in the budget. First and foremost, we want to make sure everyone is aware uh, that the park is open to the public daily. If you have a group of 25 or less, please come down, please enjoy the park. You don't need to do anything but have a good time. For private space rentals, uh, we chose two areas this fiscal year to activate. The first area is for smaller events, your mixer type of an event, a small party of up to 50 people that would occur in the Wetlands Garden right on the Beale Street side directly above the TJPA offices. The second event space would be the central lawn, which is in the middle of the center and is meant for people of up to, of up to 150 people at a time. It's like a picnic or um, a mixer type of thing, but in a larger scale. And for larger and for mega events where you can use the amphitheater or the whole park, those two types of events we want to be TJPA co-sponsored for a couple reasons. One, uh, just with relation to construction and things that are happening um, around the center, we wanna make sure that all events can um, go well and be smooth and not interrupt any operations. The second is 
again, to make sure we're keeping the park open for all and really balancing the schedule and the time of how people use the park. Uh, moving over to financial considerations, so we've got some um, sort of dynamic pricing here. The uh, central lawn could go for $5,500 per use, and during the peak periods, which is simply Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we would charge $6,500 on those days. Uh, similarly, the wetlands garden is $3,500, and then on peak days, the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, it's $4,500. And uh, those prices do not include food or beverage, but they do include all of your supportive services like electricity, custodial, things like that. It's uh, really meant to just be one package, easy, book and go. Uh, as far as projected gross revenues go, uh, we're looking at between 600,000 per fiscal year uh, and 1.1 million. Uh, again, just being modest with how we see these events going. Uh, we did run some financial models, and again, this is the middle ground. And I've, and I've spent a little bit of time talking about the, the timing that we spend for uh, free programs and our, our free time, as well as private events, and we just want to show that we are looking at really balancing the calendar and, and making sure that uh, spaces are used in a good way. And as you can see here from this analysis, uh, private events would only take up about 12% of overall time in the park, just through a very basic analysis, as you can see here. As for photo and film, we uh, changed this a little bit. We actually lowered the price for uh, personal still photography, uh, which is when someone wants to bring, uh, forgive my lack of, uh, understanding for film equipment, but the fancier, the larger equipment with the lighting or a backdrop, things like that. Um, we want to make it easier for people to come down and have those types of moments and take pictures. Lower the barrier from $250 to $100. Uh, still for corporate items, uh, headshots or group photos, whatever that might be, we still want to charge that uh, $250 rate. And it's for uh, up to one hour for each item. Uh, and then also, just to mention, for commercial use, uh, items that are licensed or uh, may take up a portion of the park and disrupt use, those items would uh, be negotiated one at a time, depending on how, um, how obstructive it might be or how much uh, space it might take up and what time of day. So it's really a negotiation based on market rents, market rates, sorry. As for the booking process, what's better than three steps? How about two steps? Um, it's, it's really simple to go online, and um, we want to make it very simple to go online, assuming you approve, and uh, simply book a time like you would a hair appointment or a pedicure or manicure, whatever it might be. You book it, uh, and you wait a confirmation from TJPA, and uh, we'll be looking to roll that out as soon as July. Next steps, uh, in June 2023, next month, you'll be considering this item in the budget. And then after that, as I just mentioned, we'll be looking to launch the booking system in July. And that's it. Go Warriors. Happy to answer any questions. Very good. Thank you for the report, directors. Any questions? Director Chan. Yeah, thank you so much for the presentation. It looks great. And um, no, notably, the peak pricing is Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday now, which is just kind of weird for transportation people. But, um, I agree. <laughs> but I, I guess, interestingly, um, the, 
rates uh, for the events. Um, that makes sense. I'm wondering if there was consideration of a nonprofit rate for public or nonprofit organizations to rent. Yes, uh, we, we've thought a bit about that. Uh, we do. We do know that as a need, and we, we want to work with nonprofits to make sure that they can have events. For those, we may find a different mechanism rather than booking a space to have a party. So for example, if they want to use a portion to promote, we would actually consider that like a license agreement, and we would negotiate that uh, based on what they're doing, how long they want to use it. One good example is like if High Speed Rail wanted to set up a table in the main plaza, it's no problem, we actually issue a license for that. So there uh -huh. would be, in that case, no charge. Uh -huh. Just depends on the size of the event, how many people, and what's the mission or what's the goal. And it's really how you categorize it. Okay, but say there's an event for the lawn area, or you had the two rates, mm -hmm. right? So for a nonprofit organization, say from you know the SOMA, they wanna have a community event. For them to rent it, it would be the same price, or would it be potentially a discounted price? For a if it's a community event, I would actually look for a, I would look to use, my mechanism would be a license. So I wouldn't actually have them go through this system. Oh. I would issue a license with okay. them and then negotiate it, pro probably cheaper, much cheaper than right, this. You just bring that back or add a slide or add some information about that. Yeah, I can, I can absolutely do that. And especially on our website, right? When you're booking, we should redirect nonprofits or city partners to just email us where we can work with them on an individual basis. Because we, we see that as important, and we want to get the word out. We just want to um, make sure it's going to the right uh, nonprofits, things like that. And it's appropriate. Well, if you can conclude that in your presentation next month, it'd be great. Certainly, Perfect. certainly. Thank you. Other Good questions, point. comments, directors? Seeing none, thank you. Great. Looking forward to spring and all the different activities in the park and in the building itself. Yes. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Public comment on the reports? Members of the public that wish to comment on the item in the room? Seeing none in the room, when, <laughs> uh, we'll check online. Okay. And okay. We have a call-in user. Their hand is not yet raised. We'll give a few seconds to make sure that they realize that we're at public comment and confirm that there are no members of the public that will comment on that item. All right. Uh, Director's item six is a Citizens Advisory Committee update, and we have uh, CAC Chair Larkin with us. There he is. Uh, good morning, Chair G and board members. I'm Brian Larkin. I'm the chair of the CAC, as Neela just said, and verify that. I'm here to report on our meeting of Tuesday, this Tuesday the 9th. Our agenda included the usual staff report, facility operations, downtown rail extension work plane schedule updates, and a special report on the California High Speed Rail Project. Richard Burnett had asked for that at our prior meeting in March. And so it was delivered. Uh, Lily Magis Wu provided the staff's report on their activities since our March meeting. Eric Schatmeyer asked whether reports that he had heard that there was a plan to shift capital funds to transit operations to make up for recent fare box losses. And 
Director Vanderwater said that there was a proposal to shift some cap-and-trade revenues to operations. If you want more detail about that, he's right there. Next, our agenda, next on our agenda was special report on the high-speed rail project, which I just mentioned, which Cal high-speed rail staffers provided. We had several questions and comments. Um, Charles Lavery asked whether when the initial operating system was connected to the segment from Gilroy, if trains headed to LA from San Francisco, San Jose would have to backtrack up to Merced, they won't. There was some discussion of right-of-way acquisition between San Jose and Gilroy um, and the need for cooperation from Union Pacific, which new member Brian Shaw said would be a challenge dealing with the railroads is always tenacious. Um, Anthony Nacor asked whether passing tracks at stations are planned. They are not in the current operations plan. Pedro Mendez asked about the cost of train sets. I think the answer was if you have to ask, you can't afford them. But they did say $28 billion is budgeted. Uh, next, Alfonso Rodriguez gave the DTX work plan update. Uh, Eric Schottenmeyer asked whether what the difference was between the accelerated work plan and a normal work plan. I think I heard it and understood it well enough, but if you want to understand it better, Alfonso's right over there. Okay. Um, Ari Walsh gave his monthly update on facility operations. The presentation included some discussion of the use of the rooftop park for filming videos and still pictures. Anthony Nacor asked whether a photographer, such as himself, would be charged for taking pictures. Uh, the answer was a qualified no. It would depend on the size of the group. If you wanted to talk, take pictures of like a group of 100, yeah, they'd hit you for something. And finally, Rodney Harris gave the contract security quarterly report. It included details of a mentoring program, which he just, just described for security officers, which the committee members, to which we reacted favorably. And that's it until next month. Very good. Thank you very much. And thank you and congratulations on continuing as the chair of the CAC. Well, I'm honored. Very good. <laughs> Directors, any questions? Seeing a thank you and thank you to the CAC members. Any well, public comment? Any members in the room uh, wish to provide public comment? Seeing none, are there any online? Okay, we have no members online that would like to provide com public comment either. We can move to your next item. Continue. All righty. Item seven, directors, is a public comment, an opportunity for members of the public to address the authority on matters that are not on today's calendar. Uh, we'll uh, take a, a poll to see if there is anyone in the room that wishes to provide public comment under this item. Seeing none, we will check online. And confirming there are no members in the room or online that wish to address you under this item. All right, let's continue with our consent calendar. All right, moving into your consent calendar, all matters listed are considered to be routine and will be acted upon by a single vote. There will be no separate discussion of the items unless a member of the board or the public so requests, in which event the matter would be removed from the consent calendar and considered separately. Your items are 8.1, approving the minutes of the March 9th, 2023 meeting. Item 8.2, approving the special uh, minutes of the April 14th, 2023 meeting. Item 8.3, authorizing the executive director to execute an 
uh, agreement for IT support services for the TJPA offices with COAS Consulting for five years and a compensation of up to 252000 with an option to extend the agreement for up to two two-year terms. And item 8.4, authorizing the executive director to execute an amendment to the agreement for independent auditing services with Mays and Associates to extend the agreement for one year for additional compensation of up to $72,674. And I can confirm that no members of the public are online as well, correct? Confirmed. And directors, anyone want to pull an item for consideration? If not, this is the item for action. Is there a motion? So Vice Chair Mandelman, motion. Is there a second? Director Chang? Motion and seconded. Roll, um, we have to do roll call, right? Yeah. All right, with that, uh, thank you. Director Chang? Aye. Chang, aye. Director Forbes? Aye. Forbes, aye. Director Lipkin? Aye. Lipkin, aye. Director Shaw? Aye. Shaw, aye. Director Tumlin? Stepped away for a second. Director Tumlin is absent. Um, I didn't even notice that until I looked up. Um, and uh, um, uh, Vice Chair Mandelman? Aye. Mandelman, aye. And Chair G? Yes. All right. Uh, with that, the consent calendar is approved. We can go ahead and move into your regular calendar. Please. All right. Item 9 is a presentation of and public hearing for... Uh, draft budgets for fiscal year 2023, 2020, through 2023 to 24. Uh, operating budget in the amount of 27629744 and FY2324 capital budget for phase one, phase two, tenant improvements and capital maintenance repair and replacement in amount of 160593434 and FY2324 debt service budget in the amount of 17966672 and we have Andrea Miller, our CFO, to present the item. Good morning, Chair G and Board of Directors. Andrea Miller, Chief Financial Officer, presenting the draft fiscal year 2023-24 operating and capital budgets. Our budget timeline, um, in January, you received the preliminary budget. Um, in March, you received a budget uh, outlook in advance of the April board meeting. And this morning's uh, draft board meeting will be presented before you uh, for final budget adoption in June. Operating budget highlights includes continuation of RM2 supplemental support is included. Um, this amount has been adjusted due to gradual recovery of bridge tolls um, in conjunction with the MTC staff uh, recommendation that will be presented to the uh, commission at their June meeting for consideration. Um, the RM3 of settlement is resolved. Reimbursements have been trending between 85 and 90% of budget due to bridge toll gradual recovery and um, which I'll discuss a little later in the presentation, there's also a one-time pay, uh, payment um, for of about 4.8 million that's being considered next month at the commission for fiscal year 20 through 22 uh, reimbursements. Operator contributions remain unchanged from the January preliminary budget. The budget is based on our current staffing plan of about 25 FTEs, full-time equivalents, and the park budget is consistent with the EastCut MOU. Um, as I stated um, before, the revenue has been adjusted from the preliminary budget presented in January to reflect the revised RM2 and RM3 uh, reimbursements. There has been no change in other operating revenues. Transfers and fund balance has been increased to balance the budget due to the revised um, RM2 and RM3 reimbursements available. And there's modest increases in administration and transit center expenses and slight decreases in park expenses that I'll go into a little more detail in the next few slides. This slide reflects revenue only. The draft budget includes a proposed transfer from fund balance of 1.5 million. 
RM2 funds includes 5.97 million for bridge toll operations. The additional RM2 uh, funding to support operations that was uh, continued for fiscal years 2023-24 through 24-25 has been adjusted by 565,000 to 2.4 million, which is included in that first line. Uh, RM3 funds have been adjusted by 551,000 uh, to 2.7 million. The park community benefit district payments have been adjusted slightly by 53,000 down as a result of adjustments in the overall park budget. And there are no adjustments to operating revenue from the January preliminary budget. Um, administration category increased by 117,000. I did note there was a typo in the slide deck I noticed late yesterday. Um, so from the January preliminary, a slight increase for additional administrative costs, cost of living increases and such. Physical security and security systems decreased slightly by 78,000. IT and cybersecurity increased by 131,000. General maintenance, janitorial, and utilities category increased by 170,000 for, for an overall increase in uh, the trans Salesforce Transit Center's budget of 339,000. As I mentioned earlier, the Salesforce park expenses decreased slightly by 29,000. The draft budget operating reserves, the emergency reserve um, remains at uh, $500,000. The operating and maintenance reserves is 5.4, I'm sorry, 5.1 which represents 19% of the operating budget, excluding wayfinding enhancements and contingency. Um, RM litigation, as I mentioned before, is settled um, to meet the board's uh, policy goal of 25%. Um, staff is seeking board direction to fully fund the O&M reserves to the 25% board policy limit uh, with receipt of the 4.8 million that will be, we anticipate um, the commission approving next month's commission meeting. In terms of the capital budgets, in addition to the fiscal year 23-24 uh, budgets that will be presented, uh, the packet includes a 20-year capital improvement plan summary. This information will be compiled into a capital improvement plan submitted next month for adoption. For the fiscal year 23-24 capital maintenance, capital maintenance repair and replacement costs have been removed from the operating budget and included in the capital budget. Capital expenses are reflected in the four columns on your uh, slides, phase one, phase two, tenant improvements and capital maintenance, repair and replacement costs. Resources for phase one will come from proceeds from, from community facilities district or CFD bond sales. Phase two is a variety of funding sources that are either already allocated, programmed and or planned, which includes transit center CFD bond, bond proceeds, Prop K funds, ARM three to be allocated, Parcel F and other regional funds to be allocated. TERSIB, as was mentioned earlier, which has been recently awarded, and federal grants to be awarded. Tenant improvements are funded from bond proceeds and interest income, and capital maintenance, repair, and replacement is funded from capital replacement reserves and CBD park payments and developer contributions. The draft capital budget expenses overall is 160.6 million. It's allocated across salaries, benefits, and administration, professional services and oversight, engineering and design services, right-of-way acquisition and real estate services, construction and maintenance and contingency. I'll go into a little more detail for the next few slides. For phase one, 17.5 is, um, 
in the proposed budget, uh, capital expenses are in two categories, uh, professional specialized services and others, just over four million, and construction close out for four of the 49 train, trade packages to be closed, remaining uh, 13.5 million. Phase two um, is included at 136.7 million, um, covers uh, four major categories, TGPA administrative expenses of 2.7 million, professional services of just over 1 million, engineering and design services of 28.9 million, and right of way and real estate services of 103, just under 104 million. Tenant improvements are included for 2.4 million, um, covering uh, marketing and leasing commissions of 300,000, project management engineering design of 500,000, landlords work-based building construction of 900 million, I'm sorry, 900,000, and tenant improvements allow allowances of 800,000. Capital maintenance repair and replacement is included at 3.9 million. Expenses includes facility maintenance of just under 2 million, security maintenance of 200,000, park maintenance of 200,000, parcel F of 600,000 to be paid by developer and contingency of 900,000. The debt service budget uh, expenses for fiscal year 23-24 is just under 18 million. Uh, net tax increment pledged to the 2020 tax allocation bonds as well as scheduled principal and interest payments which were due on October 1st and April 1st respectively and excess net, net tax increment used for mandatory redemption of the subordinate lien on turbo bonds. And with that, that concludes my presentation. Very good, thank There's you. I want to thank our partners too. I mean, everyone is challenged fiscally but continuing to support the transit center is, is thank you, that's just all I can say. So. Questions, directors? I have one question. Why was wayfinding excluded as an expense in calculating the reserve? It's included in the, we've removed wayfinding. It's in the capital. Um, but there was an allocation in the current fiscal year, which did not carry over into the next fiscal year. And I don't know if RE can give any more detail on the wayfinding component. And the 25% is a board policy? Correct. <coughs> also, there's an operating deficit, obviously. Um, is there a strategy or a plan to, un, uh, to, un, to have the, the facility itself operate in a neutral position? Yeah, uh, thank you, Director Forbes, Adam Vandewater. The, the plan all along has been to have full leasing and tenancy of the building um, uh, with increased foot traffic downtown, increased revenue from um, advertising and special events and other sources such that uh, we would get to a level of mature operations at the center. Remember, we opened in 2018, closed for a period with the Fisher reopened, and then closed again during the pandemic. So we've yet to have a 12-month normal period of operations. Um, the goal is still to, to reach the level where we would have would be less reliant on operator contributions and that we would be uh, using those sources to cover our operating costs. Understood. I think it's remarkable that we've done as well in the pandemic and opened restaurants. So I want to make that comment. I just wondered about the longer term plan on operating versus revenue, uh, operating versus expense for the facility. Thanks. Thank you, Director Forbes. Any other questions from directors? Any public comment? 
Any public comment in the room? Remember, this is a um, public hearing. Make sure we give an opportunity to uh, hear any feedback. Check online. Okay. And uh, just for everyone's um, benefit, the reason why we wait a little bit, there's a about a 15 to 20 second delay between us and SFGovTV if they're listening live. Confirming that there are no members of the public that have indicated they want to comment on the item. Very good. Well, thank you and the entire team because I know this is a team effort and this is an information item. <laughs> the budget will come for action next month. Yes. So thank you. Thank you. Next item, please. All right, with that, item 10 is authorizing the executive director to execute an agreement for IT support services for the transit center with net experts for five years in compensation of up to $2,784,718 with an option to extend the agreement for up to two two-year terms. And Ari Walsh, uh, TGP facility director, will present the item with support from Jason Blick as necessary, the uh, TGP IT director. Good morning again, uh, again, Chair G and directors. I'm Ari Walsh, the TJPA Facility Director, and I'm here to present to you the IT Support Services contract, uh, which supports the entire transit center. Um, as uh, our Ms. 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 Gonzalez just said, the term is for five years, uh, with a compensation of up to $2,784,718, with an option to extend the agreement for up to two two-year terms. These IT support services are essential for the center uh, because they support our security operations, building management systems like uh, fire life safety, lighting controls, elevators and escalators, digital content infrastructure, uh, which is things like our digital kiosks or our grand hall video wall, which is 99 screens. Also supports our phone systems and our Wi-Fi, which none of us could live without. And uh, last but of course not least, cybersecurity defense. Uh, we, need these, uh, we need this IT consultant to provide these IT support services to maintain network uptime and availability for the overall transit center network infrastructure. Happy to answer any questions with support from our IT director. Can you just take a moment to just talk about the paragraph in the staff report about why no one else wanted to respond or talk with us? I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here like not having all the Cisco certifications and all, but can you just... Take a moment. Certainly, and, and, and I can defer to Director Blick um, for the specifics, but I know uh, several uh, companies were involved and they had signed some agreements to review the proposals. Uh, they just didn't end up bidding for one reason or another, but um, I'll pass it to Mr. Blick. Thank you. Um, so yes, uh, there were a myriad of reasons as to why the other seven vendors who signed the NDA did not respond with a bid and of course as already alluded to not meeting the Cisco certifications was one reason a number and, and by the way I followed up with all seven of these vendors and, and got specific reasoning from all of them but to give you some examples um, they had one one vendor had a change in staff so that account manager had left so they met, they missed the timeline and really it was that the certifications and just not having the resources. Good, thank you. Directors, any questions? Oh, any question, Sean, yeah. Thank you. The only question I have is, can you talk a little bit about the difference between the TJPA office IT thing, which we just approved, versus this one? 
Yes, great question. So the one that was on the consent calendar, which of course is for the TJPA Office Network Infrastructure IT Support Services, is really for, that, that's the TJPA staff, which, which has its own set of servers and um, you know, data repository and, and staff. Whereas the larger contract, which of course we're talking about now on the regular calendar, is you know overall transit center infrastructure, and of course um, you know Ari gave some uh, you know little breakdown, some details about what that encompasses. But so one is for the TJPA network, one is for the overall transit center network, and again different set of servers, different you know different data repositories, different staff. Yeah, that was my question. So the the different. Uh, infrastructure is totally separate, like wireless and uh, internet and all that is all separate between the office and the TJPA? Yeah, good good question. I won't get too technical, but from a data repository and staff and workstation perspective, yes, they are completely separate. But we do, the TJPA network does ride on the same network infrastructure, so we're on the same voice network yeah. and the same wireless network, but it's logically segmented. Okay. That's what I wanted. Thank you. Thank you, Director Shaw. Any other questions from directors? Public comment. Thank you. Thank you. Checking to see if there are members of the public that wish to comment on the item. Does not appear that there are any in the room. We'll check online. With no members of the uh, public online wishing to comment on the item. And item for action. Is there a motion and a second? I make a motion to approve. Thank you, Director Forbes. Second. Thank you, Director Shaw. Roll call. Right. First and a second, uh, Director Chang. Aye. Chang, aye. Director Forbes. Aye. Forbes, aye. Director Lipkin. Aye. Lipkin, aye. Director Tumlin. Aye. Tumlin, aye. Director Shaw. Aye. Shaw, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. And Chair G. Yes. Uh, G, aye as well. Item 10 is approved. We'll go ahead and call your next item. Yes, please. All right, item 11 is authorizing the executive director to execute an interagency cooperation agreement with the city and county of San Francisco relating to phase two of the Transbay program, now known as the portal. We have Anna Harvey, TGPA project director of engineering for the portal, to present the item. However, uh, however, uh, I would like to announce that I need to recuse myself from this item. The city attorney's office has advised me that under government code 1090, uh, as a city department head, uh, I need to recuse myself, so I and Director Forbes will be stepping out uh, for the staff discussion of this item and will return for the next item. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much, Director Tomlin. That's exactly true. I need to recuse myself for the same reasons. Okay. We will be sure to come get you at the conclusion of the item. We'll be back shortly. <laughs> Go ahead. All righty, Anna. All right. Good morning, Chair G, Vice Chair Mandelman, and directors. Uh, I'm Anna Harvey, Deputy Project Director for Engineering, here to verbally present on this item. Uh, while I don't have slides today, I do have the right-of-way map referenced. Should you want to take a look at it, we can pull it up. Uh, so TJPA requires a number of critical third-party agreements to advance our work on the portal, of which the subject of this item, proposed between TJPA and the City and County of San Francisco, is one. We require permission from the city and county to occupy the city's property, such as the space needed for the tunnel under city streets, as well as affect the city's facilities while we construct the project. 
We also benefit from the coordination with and expertise of our city agency partners as we progress design and head into construction. Instead of pursuing many bilateral agreements between TJP and individual city agencies, about a year ago, we embarked on a process to negotiate a single agreement containing uniform terms for cooperation and reimbursement relating to the city's support for the project. With that year of discussions and negotiation led by OEWD and the city attorney's office on behalf of the city, but with significant input from all affected city departments, I'm before you today to seek approval of this interagency cooperation agreement um, through our executive director's authority. There are 10 departments currently included in the ICA, this interagency cooperation agreement, but more can be added if needed in the future. Those departments are the Port of San Francisco, the Department of Building Inspection, the Department of Technology, the Fire Department, MTA, the Office of Economic and Workforce Development, the Planning Department, the Public Utilities Commission, Public Works, and the Real Estate Division, as well as services provided by the City Attorney's Office to each of those entities. The agreement lays out the process to seek approval to use or modify city property, as well as how we request city services and the process to budget for and reimburse city costs. TJPA staff will annually negotiate a budget with each city department based on the scope of services agreed to, and the negotiated budgets plus contingency will be aggregated and incorporated into TJPA's annual budgets presented to the TJPA board for approval. The city will provide detailed invoicing to TJPA so that TJPA can validate the appropriateness of all requests for reimbursement. Of the 10 departments, four have requested that we take this agreement for approval to their boards or commissions. The ICA was approved, should I keep going? At both the Port and PUC commissions on Tuesday, May 9th, and is anticipated at MTA board on May 16th and at the Public Works Commission on June 2nd. Once approved by all of the various city departments, the city agreement will be referred to the Board of Supervisors for approval via a single resolution and to the mayor for signature expected to occur either in June or July of this year. I want to express our sincere thanks to our agency staff partners, particularly Lee Lutensky, Deputy Director for Joint Development with the Office of Economic and Workforce Development, our individual points of contact at each department who've met monthly with us over the last year to negotiate this agreement, and the great team at the City Attorney's Office that have helped us get to this point. Thank you, and Lee and I are available for any questions. Thank you. Thank you for the presentation. That was a long list of departments here in San Francisco, and it probably wasn't complete yet, so it's, it just takes a lot of effort. So, directors, any questions? I, I, I only, I only have a question. Um, the TJPA bears most risks. Can you talk about that in a little more detail? Absolutely. So as we were negotiating with um, the various departments, um, a few items were raised, and I'm actually going to defer to Deborah, um, as she has a lot of the detail and the specifics of how that risk was moved between the agencies. Thanks for the question, Director Shaw. Deborah Miller, Shoot Mahali Weinberger, the TJPA's outside general counsel. In the course of negotiating this agreement, the city attorney's office was clear that the city didn't want to assume new risks or liabilities as a result of this agreement than it would otherwise incur as a public agency uh, operating its own uh, infrastructure and property. Um, its view is that it shouldn't have to bear liability uh, for claims arising out of the project because it's cooperating with the TJPA to make its property available or to allow the TJPA to modify its infrastructure. Um, accordingly, the city attorney did insist that the TJPA agree to a 
broad uh, indemnification of the city for claims um, arising out of the result of the delivery of the project with pretty limited exceptions. Um, the city also asked, uh, required that the TJPA uh, engage with the city's risk manager on evaluating the scope of insurance that the TJPA covers to ensure that the city's risk manager believes that it's adequate to protect the TJPA and the city uh, from claims that may arise. Um, we do believe that this is the best agreement that the TJPA was going to be able to receive in this case uh, and that the city's cooperation uh, in allowing the TJPA to use its property and modify its infrastructure is necessary to allow the project to proceed. So what happens if it's the city that was responsible for the damage? Are you saying that we're still liable for anything that is while I don't want to speak to future circumstances yeah, and the positions and details of what might occur and what posture the TJPA might take, the concept is that unless the city is solely uh, responsible as a result of its own gross negligence or willful misconduct, that the TJPA is expected to protect against claims that arise uh, from delivery of the project. Like, that's a big one. I don't know. I might be wrong. <laughs> <coughs> well, it, it, it sounds like it's not too different than a professional services provider where, you know, the owner, you know, the service provider is, is liable for loan negligence or their willful acts. You know, so that, that's kind of, you know, let's say DBI, you know, if they're negligent or willfully wrong, then they are liable, otherwise TJPA is. <clears throat> so the burden's on us to prove otherwise as an organization. I will point out also that there's uh, intention for great cooperation between the TJPA and the city in all manners related to project oversight by the TJPA and cooperation in requesting city services and supervising their delivery. Um, so TJPA will have opportunities to work with the city um, as it provides services uh, for related to and necessary for delivery of the project, which could help to mitigate some of the risk to the TJPA from claims that might arise from that work. <laughs> Any other questions, Director Shaw? Okay, other directors, director. Yes, go ahead, director. Uh, I just want to say it's not a question, it's more of a comment, but uh, I think that the approach being taken is absolutely the right one. And with so many different departments that uh, this project will have to deal with, having a single point of contact within the city organization and a single process established for everybody that sort of has buy in from all the different pieces is absolutely going to be a huge uh, time saver and having the dispute resolution process of how those things can get elevated through and decisions actually get made. Third-party agreements are a huge thing on all of any kind of mega project, and we've faced all sorts of issues with that. Uh, and so I'm just very supportive of the approach that's being taken here. And I would say that the indemnity provisions are not so uncommon for uh, when you're impacting others' facilities. Uh, that's kind of 
fairly standard for what people want is that they, you know, prior rights basically govern and that they're already there and you're touching them, so it's your fault that if anything goes wrong. So uh, I just want to say well done and, and uh, thank you for taking a, a what I think is a proactive approach in this particular matter. Director Chen. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Ms. Harvey. And I just really want to echo um, everybody's appreciation for this work. Uh, Director Vanderwater and Lee Lutinsky and Anne Topier from OEWD. This is really going to help us um, execute this project with the expertise and experience of the city departments, and of course their um, their role in implementation will be important beyond permitting, uh, really to help the project team uh, navigate this complex project. So we know this from our own work and our own review that our board has asked the Transportation Authority to look at project delivery. Uh, in the city, and this was also a major finding of our peer review a few years ago for um, for for this project. So this is uh, absolutely, I think, the right way to go, and I really appreciate the resourcing of all these 10 city agencies because uh, it's a big lift, and it's an important um, risk management strategy. So really appreciate everybody's collaboration. Thank you. Thank you. Any other questions or comments from directors? Not seeing any public comment. All right. Any members in the room wish to provide public comment? We also check online if there are any here. And no members of the uh, public online that wish to provide public comment either. Okay, this is item for action. Is there a motion? I'll move the item. Thank you, Director Lipkin. Second. Second by Director Chang. Roll call. All right, with a first and a second, Director Chang. Aye. Chang, aye. Director Lipkin. Aye. Lipkin, aye. Director Shaw. Abstain. Shaw, abstain. Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. And Chair G. Yes. G, aye as well. With uh, four ayes, the item is, did I count right? One, two, three, four ayes. The item is approved. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Here's the in the back room, or do I? Okay. Yeah, we'll go and grab <laughs> them. With the return of directors uh, Forbes and Tumlin, shall I call your next item? Please. All right. Item 12 is a ratification of the board chair establishment of an advisory ad hoc committee, uh, for, uh, including directors uh, John Baptiste, Lipkin, and Shaw, to assist the TGPA staff in negotiation and development of a master cooperative agreement with the Pen Peninsula Corridor Joint Powers Board, also known as Caltrain. Okay, let me, let me provide some context on this. As we know, there is a lot of effort by two organizations and their staff to negotiate and come to resolution on a master cooperative agreement between Caltrain and TJPA. Um, it's going to take a lot of detail and um, at Caltrain I've appointed it ad hoc to advise their executive director and my desire is to appoint an ad hoc for TJPA so that the executive directors have a sounding board and with an ad hoc, it's much more nimble than going to the full board for input. I mean, we need to get this resolved this year. The escalation path is, is going to be, I mean, the boards, both boards will ultimately approve the MCA, but the nimbleness of the conversations need to be pretty timely rather than going every month to a board. So between the ad hoc being sounding boards for the two executive directors, 
the escalation path is then to the chairs to resolve everything, and I'm not interested in talking myself. <laughs> I'm interested in talking to the vice chair if we ever get there, and then ultimately to the both boards for ratification. And so that's why we just need the nimbleness right now. It's a limited duration. I, I don't expect there's going to be too many meetings, maybe two or three. So I thank the directors for serving on the ad hoc. But we really need to get this MCA done to be able to keep this project moving forward. And, and again, I, hopefully it doesn't happen that we need to talk to each other about results. <laughs> <laughs> <Listen>, Jeff. <laughs> I don't have a problem having lunch together, but I don't want to discuss the MCA. Hopefully the executive directors and the boards can get this done through the help of the ad hocs. So that, that's the context. Please, yeah, um, and uh, I want to um, thank Chair G for uh, for think thinking thoughtfully about how to set this up and deal with the reality that we have lots of folks who are on all sides of this transaction on all these bodies and lots of overlapping interests and complexity. And um, I think it makes sense to have uh, these these two advisory bodies. The only thing, you know, from from my perspective. I think San Francisco's perspective, our con my concern, our concern is just um, that ultimately, um, you know, we are on both sides of this transaction, as you know, as are you. Um, there is potential for if 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 these if the liability arrangements don't go are not crafted correctly, or if um, things are not thought through appropriately, it could fall to on San Francisco on either side in some ways. And also San Francisco, unlike these two JPAs, for good or for ill, <laughs> does have experience with tunnels. And so I think that it would, I just, I know, you know our staff will do this. I, I imagine Caltrain's staff as well it would make sense. But I think keeping San Francisco staff, you know, drawing on the expertise that the MTA, but also um, uh, at the TA, and sort of having free conversations at the staff level um, may be as helpful, you know, as as these ad hoc advisory committees, and will help when it finally has to come back to the to the bodies to actually get approved. So I know that'll happen, but um, there is expertise in San Francisco at the staff level. Be good that expertise drawn on as this. And also, like, sort of, uh, lesson definitely lessons learned. <laughs> so here's a few. Yes, <clears throat> thank you, Vice Chair, and, and I'm sure I have absolute confidence that our executive director and the team will take advantage of the expertise here in San Francisco. Just to state it proactively, uh, the team is already working through the integrated management team and through our various stakeholders to. To gather that input and, bus, and those best practices, um, our and consultant worst team, practices. <laughs> best practices and worst practices to avoid, um, and looking at situations of joint unit, uh, ownership. So the Market Street corridor between MTA and BART is a corollary to a future tunnel shared by Caltrain and High Speed Rail, for instance. Um, some of the considerations we would look to bring back to this board for ultimate approval are who, who should own some of these assets. Um, uh, uh, the Trans Bay Joint Powers Authority is an infrastructure manager, not an operator. 
we're working with two operators that have um, no current experience in a subterranean environment. And so which elements should be retained by the JPA and which should be owned by the operator? And of the various risks of all that infrastructure, who is best maintained to mitigate them? And so for operations, it probably makes sense on the operator side. For infrastructure like the Salesforce Transit Center, it likely remains within the JPA, but there is some gap there that we're going to need to negotiate and determine which entity is best uh, situated to, to address them. And so we look forward to an open dialogue with all the stakeholders as well as the ad hoc to ultimately come back to this body as well as the Caltrain board with a, a plan of approach for that. Thank you. Any other questions or comments from directors? Any public comment? Checking for public comment in the room. Seeing none here. I actually can't see behind this. Please tell me if there's someone behind you. Um, and checking online. All right. No members of the public wanting to comment on the item. Items for action. Is there a motion? Thank you, Vice Chair Mandelin. Is there a second? I second. Thank you, Director Forbes. Roll call, please. All right. With that, uh, Director Chang? Aye. Chang, aye. Director Forbes? Aye. Forbes, aye. Director Lipkin? Aye. Lipkin, aye. Director Shaw? Aye. Shaw, aye. Director Tumlin? Aye. Tumlin, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman? Aye. Mandelman, aye. And Chair G? Yes. Aye as well. The item is approved. We'll go ahead and call your next item. All right, item 13, directors, is the San Francisco Peninsula Rail Program Executive Steering Committee update and status of the downtown rail extension, now known as the portal, uh, the work plan schedule. First, we'll have uh, Director Chang provide the update, followed by Alfonso Rodriguez. Thank you so much. Um, good morning, and on behalf of our ESC Chair, Michelle Bouchard, I'm happy to present this month's DTX update. I'd like to start by congratulating our director of TJPA and the team on the successful $60 million TIRCP uh, project grant award. This was uh, fantastic and demonstrates the state's continuing commitment. So thank you so much to our um, director Ambul as we ready the portal for FTA grant requests in August. Um, as well, I uh, want to mention that earlier this week, Director Tumlin and I, along with San Francisco Planning Director Rich Hillis, submitted a letter of support to Caltrans for the update of the state rail plan, and I believe uh, TJPA staff as well, Director Vanderwater also submitted a letter. I want to appreciate Caltrans for seeking uh, feedback on, on this important update. Um, I also just wanted to mention that we echoed one another in terms of reinforcing um, our appreciation for the state's partnership of the overall program and urging continued state investment, continued state uh, investment to this uh, portal project, please, to deliver on the overall state rail vision, also to leverage those federal dollars. We know how critical this will be for our non-federal uh, local match, um, and as well to realize all of our housing and jobs accessibility goals for the, for the region. Um, also on the federal front this week, the team, of course, has been meeting with FTA um, for the project management oversight consultant in a three-day risk workshop that's gone very well. I want to appreciate Project Director uh, Rodriguez and his team. Um, sounds like we're on track, and we hope to get that feedback and incorporate that this uh, August or uh, September as we uh, prepare the submittal for the next step of the FTA process. Um, this will result, we hope, in a formal rating um, evaluation for the project uh, to confirm its grant eligibility and, and merit. 
lastly, I'd like to report that our ESC meeting last month had an engaging conversation and productive conversation on the topic of governance and the blueprint that will be coming to you all um, next month or, th or the following very soon. Uh, the committee provided our input um, to the team, the executive steering committee that is, to the project team and we expect to receive follow-up report on this topic at our May uh, meeting next Friday, I believe, the 19th. Um, and with this uh, board's consideration today of the MOU on our agenda this morning, um, our partner agencies will continue to work uh, diligently on that topic uninterrupted uh, as well for all the early work and project development activities uh, for the portal. And that concludes my <coughs> comments. Thank you. Thank you for the report. Turn it over to Director Rodriguez. You will? Okay. Well, good morning, Chair G, members of the board. My name is Alfonso Rodriguez, the uh, Portal Project Director. And uh, I wanted to share a few updates on those actions that in, will be coming before the board in the coming months. There we go. Uh, the first item listed is the governance blueprint. And that is the successor plan outlining a new governance structure supporting the procurement and project delivery phases of the portal. Now, the structure replaces our current um, construct prescribed by the existing MOU and with our agency partners. The update will be brought before the board next month and uh, we anticipate the item coming back for your adoption later this year. The project delivery implementation plan advances the contract packaging and procurement methods adopted by the board last year in July and it outlines our contractor evaluation, cost development, and construction contract pricing approaches for our large contracts, and those are the PDB, Progressive Design Build, and the CMGC uh, contracts. The Archaeological Services Consulting Contract um, is a requirement um, largely governed by the National Historic Preservation Act, which brings on board consulting services that allow us to complete our design uh, in, in incorporate those um, approaches in which we need to handle prehistoric, historic, and, and protect uh, those structures through construction. The Caltrans Master Cooperative Agreement, we talked about that. It outlines our respective roles and responsibilities uh, between TJPA and our initial operator, Caltrain, as we progress the project together through project delivery and construction. The baseline budget, schedule, and capital funding plan are the updates that, uh, to the earlier plan that we presented to the board in February of this year. And as mentioned, they will incorporate the results of the risk workshop that we just completed this week. Um, those risk workshop results may well uh, influence and, and cause us to relook at our cost, schedule, and contingency that was earlier presented and with your adoption uh, we will be able to submit a request for grant funding, which we also anticipate will be here uh, in August. So that would be the next item, submit an FTA grant request. Uh, the instructions for that grant process are expected later this month from the, MT, uh, from the FTA. But as in years past, those grant requests are due in August, so that's how we built our schedule. There's a lot of activity going on in August, and we've been working towards that month for many years and here we're getting pretty close. Uh, the procurement plan uh, merely provides an update to the board on how we plan on scheduling our, our various construction procurements. 
and they'll begin as the early as early as the end of next year, subject to funding availability. So it's really coming pretty quickly. The re relocation uh, public hearing is an action required by the Uniform Relocation and Property Acquisition Act. Um, and then I think I mentioned the governance blueprint at the end of towards the end of the year. So that concludes my update for those activities coming up. There's a lot that happens in between, but um, I hope this look ahead is helpful to you. Thank you. It is very helpful. Thank you. Thank you, Alfonso. So we know what's coming and when we can plan vacations and things like that. <laughs> Not in August. <laughs> and that was very clear. I got that. <laughs> Directors, any questions? Seeing right, none, is you. there any public comment? Seeing no public comment in the room and checking online. Uh, we have a caller, but they have not indicated they wish to comment on this item. Okay, so, no. thank you. Let's continue to the next item. All right. Um, item 14 is considering um, authorizing the board chair to execute the First Amendment to the San Francisco Peninsula Rail Program Memorandum of Understanding to extend the term of the agreement to December 31st, 2023. Directors, if I may quickly introduce this item. This, we had a, a robust and, and uh, collaborative discussion at the Executive Steering Committee about extending the existing MOU by straight line term only. There is no changes to the content of the MOU, only recognizing that uh, a few of the remaining items ready for procurement status, final funding plan, and of course our August upcoming request for a full funding grant agreement have not uh, uh, quite arrived yet. Uh, so the parties are all in agreement to uh, extend. So before you is a straight line extension through the end of the calendar year. Um, I believe the County Transportation Authority has delegated authority to Director Chang, and, uh, who has signed, as has the other co-lead on this item, the Metropolitan Transportation Commission and Director Vermeer. Um, and the other uh, s signatories to the MOU are, are considering that uh, adoption prior to its expiration on June 5th. So um, with that, uh, we do have um, uh, Jesse Kaler from the San Francisco County Transportation Authority, who's the primary author of the staff report, uh, if there's any follow-up questions. But it's, it's uh, before you is just an item to extend the existing arrangement through December of this year. Given the completeness of the staff report, I don't think we need a presentation. Well done. So is there any questions from directors? I'm not seeing any, any public comment. We do have a member of the public online that would like to provide public comment, so if we can let the caller in. They've changed their mind? Okay. We have no members of the public that wish to, and we didn't lose them, right? They didn't fall off. They just put their hand down. I'll move the item. Thank you. Is there a second? Second by Vice Chair Mandelman. Great. Roll call, please. Vice Chair Chang. Aye. Chang, I Vice. Um, uh, which which hat are we wearing? Thank you, uh, <laughs> Director Forbes. <laughs> aye. Forbes. Aye. Director Lipkin. Aye. Lipkin. Aye. Director Shaw. Aye. Shaw. Aye. Director Tomlin. Aye. Tomlin. Aye. Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman. Aye. And Chair G. Yes. G. Aye as well. All right. With that, item fourteen is approved. Right. Thank you. We are um, scheduled to go into closed session, uh, but before going into closed session, pursuant to Government Code Section 54956.9, we'll verify if there is public comment on the item scheduled for discussion in closed session prior to clearing the room physically and virtually. I don't see that there are any members of the public in the room. Do we have anyone online that wishes to provide public comment on the item scheduled for discussion in closed session? 
There is not. With that, we'll go ahead and clear the room. And before we go there, Deborah, I do believe there's not going to be any reportable action. So you're welcome to hang out and come back if you want, but I don't believe there's any reportable action coming out of the meeting. I'm not anticipating any uh, reportable action out of close. Thank you. TV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television. SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television. All righty. The, uh, the um, TJPA Board of Directors uh, meeting of May 11, 2023 is back in session. And in regards to item 18, announcement of closed session, there is no action to report. Director. Very good. Thank you. I believe that concludes our business for today. Thank you for being here, directors. Happy May. And we are adjourned to our next meeting in June. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.